If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. Welcome, everybody. It's Podcast Unlocked, IGN's weekly Xbox show, episode 514 for October 5th, 2021. Joined by a couple of friends this week. Miranda is... Thoroughly occupied, Destin remains on paternity leave, and Brennan Tyrell remains lost in the cosmos. We hope to recover him at some point in time, but I've got a couple of great friends here with me. Of course, Stella Chung from IGN.com returning from last week. We've got more Halo and more to talk about. Stella, welcome back. So happy to be here. <laughs> and Danny Pena from Gamertag Radio, the oldest school xbox podcaster on the planet uh i say that in the most in the kindest of ways from one old man to another danny welcome back. <laughs> i'm like man i'm feeling old now what's going on <laughs> now what's up hello everyone um and thanks ryan for for inviting me man Absolutely. And hello you know, stella first time first time yeah <laughs> just yeah we're getting everybody together it's gonna be a fun time um danny you know what made me feel really old today is uh in, we, i was in a meeting this morning and somebody mentioned mm -hmm. It's the 20th anniversary of Smallville, which I watched every episode <gasps> on. Oh my from, God. Oh, is from, it? From the day they aired, you know, every, every night, every week. Mm -hmm. I was like, that makes me feel really old. Oh my goodness. 20 actually, years already? Wow. I, I actually just binge watched all of that during the pandemic, like a couple yeah. of months ago. So I'm, I'm just now like caught up through all of it. So wow, 20 years. Does it feel like, <laughs> huh? Okay. What did you think of it out of curiosity coming back at it 20 years later? <laughs> so it was good. Uh, I think the last two seasons were really rough, but uh, it, it was, it was, I think if I had watched it when it was coming out, I definitely would have been very hooked. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely suffered from the monster of the week syndrome there for a lot yeah. of the kind of the, the, the middle years, but I don't know. I, I thought the like the last I thought the last episode was so good. I loved how how they did bring it home, but uh Smallville missed you. <laughs> anyway, uh video games. That's what we're really here to talk mm. about. So uh let's get started with the big release of the week, Far Cry six. So the review is in progress at IGN and it's out uh I guess technically it's out tomorrow, I think, or maybe it's today. 
I can't remember. But Danny, you've played some of it so far. So if uh, if you wouldn't mind giving some of your initial impressions here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so far I'm having a great time with the game. Um, actually, uh, yesterday I interviewed Giancarlo uh, Esposito. We were talked about yeah. uh, about the game. But cool guy, man. Love love his performance in the game, big time. And and the thing is. Also, the thing that I love so much about this game, it reminds me so much of home because uh, my parents are from the Caribbean. So uh, it reminds me of the good old days living in the countryside of the American Republic and riding those horses and everything. And, and I just love also the soundtrack of the game. It's so, so good. But I think people are going to have a great time with, with this. Really, really good time. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. I mean, I, I know you haven't finished it yet, so it'll be interesting to see where... Mr. Esposito ranks in the all-time pantheon of of great Far Cry villains, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's tough to go much higher on the on the Hollywood list than than the A list with Giancarlo Esposito. So that's that's mm -hmm. going to be good. So I think we'll talk more about that next week after we all have a chance to play the other game. I don't know if either one of you have either played the original or have had time to dive into the remaster, but I did want to mention Alan Wake remastered. Uh, Danny, I see you nodding along. Still yes. not yet. I play, I play, I'm no. playing right now. I'm playing because um, the thing is, I'm a huge fan of Alan Wake. That's like my favorite Xbox 360 game. Yeah. And uh, and the reason why I'm playing it again is because now they added a video uh, commentary in there. So I just want to know more about the behind the scenes work in, in the game. And uh, also there's parts where it, the first commentary they talked about um, later in the game, they're going to mention about the connection with control and and wake and who knows what else pop up during the conversation there so it sounds like a, a podcast while playing the game so it's it's really cool and it's sam, sam uh, lake that is uh narrating the whole thing yeah he's the best i love every time i get a chance to see and talk to sam he's just so much fun to chat with and uh mm -hmm. yeah i i started it last night and i have to say danny just hey it, it definitely triggers some great xbox 360 nostalgia firing it up again but but b mm -hmm. just playing it now it's seeing it in 4k 60 just so nice and clean like i probably now couldn't go back to the original which was a 30 frame per second game so uh yeah i it's it's i do recommend it i mean i i know i, I don't know what our review is actually i'm a bad host i didn't even pull up what we gave it i think we gave it a seven i did look at because i was watching our review which uh tristan on our australian team did you have to watch his review on either IGN or YouTube, the video review, because he just completely leans into the, you know, into the Alan Wakeness of the <laughs> review. And that's I'll just tease it by saying that you got to check it out. It's, it definitely goes farther than the usual IGN review does in terms of having a little fun with with the game that we already all know and love. But, um, yeah, it's it. It's a, it's definitely an old school game, Danny. I think. Would you agree with that? It's like it's not something that you would see made today necessarily. Nah, nah. It's yeah. It's um. It reminds me of uh, like uh, Silent Hill, Resident Evil, that type of like the old old Resident Evil games like that. So, but the story is really good, man. I really enjoy. It. I'm just curious to see the the crowd that have never played Animal Wake and they're gonna play this for the first time. I, I'm curious to hear like their their reactions uh, about the game. So it has a great story. So I can't wait yeah. to hear. I played like story. the intro. I got to the first like shack that you explore and I was like, no, this is too spooky. I can't do this. <laughs> like, too much, really? <laughs> the atmosphere actually creeped me out. Like it does that, but that it just means that it's a really good horror game. Like it does a really good job of putting you in that psychological mind space of 
you know, being very anxious, uh, anticipating things happening. Um, I feel like because it's October, I should give this a shot, but it, I do not do horror. Otherwise, I would be jumping in on this because it looks great. I mean, all the footage that I'm seeing of the remake, it looks really nice. Yeah, it's clean, right? It's, uh, it's, yeah. It is a remaster. It's not a complete remake, so it's not remaster, built yeah. for the Xbox Series X or even the Xbox One. It's built for the 360, but they cleaned it up really, really well. So it does look pretty well. As I said, it runs great. So, and it's, by the way, it's 30 bucks. So it's, I think, very fairly priced for what it is and, and what it's, you know, what it offers, you know, just 60 frames, 4K. And as Danny mentioned, the really great commentary track from Sam Lake. So check it out. Uh, that is an Xbox 360 classic that has been brought back here in 2021. All right, let's get to one of our big topics this week. It'll sound very familiar if you watched last week's show, and that is Halo <laughs> Infinite. The second weekend of the multiplayer test flight this weekend, focusing on big team battle, although the arena playlist, the social arena playlist, was still there, and I spent some time in it because I hadn't seen Behemoth, so I did, uh, did finally get to that. But let's just talk about the new thing from this past weekend. And that is the map fragmentation, 24-player big team battle. Stella, I want to go to you first. You are handling IGN's <laughs> review in progress and ultimately the review of Halo Infinite multiplayer while well, I'll be reviewing the campaign. So uh, this is the biggest Halo big team battle we've ever had instead of 16, as it has always been. 24 players now. What'd you think? Did you have fun? I, oh my God. I, I know you saw the clip where I stole someone's, uh, I, I punched, I elbow punched someone off the gunner seat. Um, and I, I took of their the gunner. Yeah. yeah, of the Warthog. And I took their gun, gunner seat and all the drivers got out for some reason. So I ended up getting free kills on them. So it was a lot of chaos. I feel like BTB was a lot of that. It was just a lot of chaos. Um, I, I honestly really liked the map. I thought it flowed pretty well. Um, there were a lot of points, though, when we were playing, um, I think it was BTB Capture the Flag, um, that I noticed that there were a lot of ways that snipers could just kind of kill you from across the map. And I was like, oh, that's going to, that's frustrating. <laughs> um, but I, I really liked BTB mode. I, I think it's a nice, like, it's weird to say this, but it's it's a nice chill out mode compared to social arena because it's not as like you know it's not as intimate it's not as uh you know 4v4 um you, you can kind of rely on your other teammates because there right. are so many other teams now which is really nice um i i just loved the chaos of it honestly um i i do i do have to mention that the time to kill again was adjusted uh the ar was a lot stronger it kind of felt like the last the second to last no, sorry okay the first flight the first uh preview test flight uh, but so the getting used to the weapon handling again was kind of difficult at first especially since i jumped into btb immediately and i was like oh why isn't the pistol as strong as before and i realized that they had kind of reverted that back um and i was a little disappointed that the br wasn't as strong as last time but um after getting used to all the weapon changes and the time to kill um i started feeling the flow of halo again and uh have, having a lot of fun because btb is honestly just about I don't know. It's just, it's just about like stealing vehicles, causing chaos, grabbing whatever weapons you can. Um, I, I just loved it. it. It was just so much fun. And I, I would see so many people turn over their warthogs and I would just laugh at because I, I'm just like, I know, I know what that feels like. I've done that. But then, you know, being able to snipe them out of the car is also very satisfying. So 
<laughs> Did you get to try? Now, there were a few vehicles that would pop in to certain matches and not others. For instance, uh, the Banshee would come in, which yes. I did see a few times, never actually managed to get my hands on it. So I still haven't flown one. Uh, the Wasp I saw pop in once, did not mm. get a chance to jump into it. Um, but yeah, Warthog, Ghost, Mongoose. What do you, you think of the specific vehicles? Any favorites or, or ones that you're not too keen on so far, Stella? Uh, so I think I actually did grab the Wasp once. It, it was so hard for me to fight for a vehicle, though, because everyone was on that vehicle spawn. Um, so I did get the Wasp, and my friend jumped on top. So we were just flying around the map with him, like, shooting down from on top of it. It, it felt very dumb, but, like, it also felt like what my friend and I do uh, in the Halo campaign right now. We just try to do, like, the most silly things, right? Um, so the, I feel like the weapons felt pretty good. I feel like the Ghost, again, was a little bit too strong. Uh, it took a lot to take down um especially in btb where you know you're gonna have multiple vehicles uh but i feel like the warthog actually worked here um and uh what's what was this vehicle called again the two-seater um mongoose and, yes mongoose. the mongoose uh that was actually really good for capture the flag i feel like that fit perfectly fine like having vehicles for capture the flag in btb especially makes a lot of sense um, which i actually didn't mind that mode in btb i thought it would be a little bit too chaotic because it's just a huge space but it ended up working really well um so i don't know i feel like the vehicles are pretty good but i, I do feel like they are a little tanky and i feel like the warthog is a little too floaty like i would find myself flipping over at the slightest rock and i was like i feel like this is supposed to be an all-terrain vehicle why are you flipping over at well, the slightest like gust of a wind <laughs> it's as an old school halo player it's there's an art to to, to driving oh, the no. warthog and i'm not <laughs> i'm not saying you're not good at it but it's i i kind of i guess what i'm saying is i kind of like the fact that it can be turned okay. over on a dime. See, it's, <laughs> there's a lot of power sliding. There's a lot of left trigger braking oh. involved to, you know, to, to make, you know, to, to, there's a right way to just, you know, power slide around a corner and, and keep the thing upright. But um, Danny, how about you? What did you think of big team battle and where are you at with, with infinite's multiplayer here after the second multiplayer weekend of the second flight? Mm. Well, I'll tell you this. I really didn't enjoy big team battle by myself. I think big team battle for me is more if I get together with like with friends mm -hmm. or play with my community members. That's when it's like reminds me of the old school days of Halo. Um, but yeah, by myself, I don't know. I really don't enjoy that at all by myself. I'd rather play the, the arena mode instead because um, it's a lot easier to, to keep up. But um, but yeah, I, I had a, a great time man, with, with, with this. But um, I think that uh, I would like to see more of of the vehicles to get a little bit uh, a lot easier to to control. That I I kind of agree with her. The Warhog is a little bit light, I yeah. think, compared to the to the the, the whole healer, in my opinion. But but yeah, it's a, I had a great time with the game, man. I love it. It's good. Yeah. Now I tell you this: I think that three four three definitely doesn't need to put any uh, big uh, not big team uh, battle royale in, in the game at all. I think this is this is fine for me, man. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Yeah, let Halo be Halo. It doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to shoehorn itself into into the flavor of the month kind of thing. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, so I I will say so. I've fragmentation was the only BTB map uh, that that was there. So I played a lot. <laughs> I've definitely I am good on fragmentation for a while. Yeah. I'll be curious to see the other BTB maps. But that said, I do like the map. This is I think it's another excellent map of the handful we've seen so far 
which just makes me so happy, as I was talking about on last week's show, in Halo 5, in what was otherwise a fantastic multiplayer experience, I just thought the maps weren't Halo-level great, where you just say the name and instantly go, yep, I know exactly the map you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's a great map, and you do this, and you go here. And uh, But but these maps have been excellent. And, and Fragmentation, it feels really good. Like, for being one of the largest Halo maps ever, given the fact that it supports 24 players, I never felt like... I went too long without there being some kind of action. Now, I mean, sometimes I would, I'd spawn kind of in front of my base and I would purposely turn around and go maybe like back into it. And that's pivoting away from the action by choice. But there's so many little rooms and nooks and crannies and pathways to go and vehicles around that I feel really good about this map. I'm, I'm very pleased with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, my big hope now, which is, not new, but Danny, I want Blood Gulch to come back in a you know twenty-four player friendly form. It's been the gold standard of big team battle maps in Halo. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Halo Five kind of famously didn't focus on big team battle until it was way too late. And so, I think we need a new, a next generation Blood Gulch, but. For the time being, I I really did like Fragmentation. I think it's an excellent map. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I guess the last thing, I, last topic here with Halo, I want to hear from each of you of the new weapons specifically, which one, what's your maybe favorite and least favorite of, of the new toys in the sandbox so far, Danny? Oh, the new ones? Uh, well, I, I, you know, I really enjoy the battle rifle still. Um, but at first... When I first played this one, it felt like it was a little bit too loose. Or was it me? Uh, do you guys feel the same way too? Trying out the battle rifle for the first time in this game? Oh no. Uh, I mean, I liked it last flight. This flight, uh, this past flight, it feels like it was nerfed a little bit. It, it didn't yes. do as much mm-hmm. damage as before, which mm-hmm. I was kind of disappointed. If it goes back to what it was um, the second test flight, I think that's fine. I yeah. feel like that's how it should be. But mm-hmm. it was a little bit weak this time around. See, I, yeah. I, I was not feeling that. And I think it's, for me, it comes down to uh, just being, having shot the battle rifle over many Halo games mm. millions of times. It just, I, that weapon is, I'm, I'm just right at home with it right away. Whereas the Commando, which I do like a lot, I talked about that on last week's show, I'm still kind of getting the feel for it. Like, it doesn't quite have the range of the battle rifle, even though it's got a, a bit of a, a zoom in scope. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, the BR, man, I was, that was one of the weapons I was more successful with than others. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's interesting that we've each got kind of different opinions yeah. on the BR. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, but it all depends too, because I, I was playing this a lot, uh, using it, uh, during a uh, stronghold mm-hmm. that mode. For, first of all, that's like my favorite mode so far for a big team battle is that in second place, I'll put a uh, capture the flag. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the weapon I was using the whole time, and it worked for me. So, won some some matches like that. So, um. how about uh, of the new toys? Any any that you weren't feeling so far, Danny? Uh, I haven't really experimented with the other ones a lot. I mean, I tried also the. I mean, it's not new, but I tried the sniper. I just I'm a terrible <laughs> sniper player. So, uh, really? but yeah, I haven't really tried out the other ones, man. Yeah, for that, me, um, I as I said, I I would actually I was wrecking it with the ravager that yes is, is that the shotgun is that the no, shotgun? it's like the red uh sort of red energy 
almost not a rocket launcher, but it's uh it's got the like the vents on the side and you can charge it if you want to like charge up for an extra big blast. And then it just has a you have to vent it on a normal shot. It fires in like three shot bursts. So it's like, I guess, a semi auto red plasma weapon, basically. And that thing takes people down quick. It also takes vehicles down pretty quickly, too. That mm-hmm. that seemed to be a, a good counter to vehicles. Like I posted one clip on my Twitter where I, ha- I, I uh, had the Ravager. I grabbed it at spawn and at the base and then man cannon to the middle. And the, <laughs> so I was up on the little ledge in the middle and then uh, a, a loaded Warthog came mm. came down came down the path i hopped down and as they they tried to turn i just charged it up oh no let it rip right into right into the engine compartment and slash driver's side and the and it just the, the warthog just exploded and it was a i think there were two guys in it so it was a double kill and yeah it's the ravager will that thing tears people up i would not be surprised if if it ends up getting nerfed a little bit Mm -hmm. Uh, before launch but then i guess conversely before i throw to stella here uh i won't say the weapon is bad i will say i am bad with the weapon (laughs) the pulse carbine pulse carbine which is the you know just regular kind of purple covenant and it just shoots the three again three round burst but longer range than the ravager um i could not bring anybody down with that thing i was just i think the plan i think it homes like ever so slightly but not too much and i just was not having it with that one that was that one and i did not get along at least in this test flight so yeah to see how time goes on this week's podcast unlocked is brought to you by nord vpn hey if you're watching a lot of sports like me and you hate blackouts NordVPN is a great way to go. You can use NordVPN, a virtual private network, to watch live sporting events, TV shows, films that aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country that is showing that event. No more blackouts. It's also good for plenty of other stuff like protecting your private data, your bank details, your passwords, your online identity. You can protect your data while you're traveling and using public Wi-Fi. NordVPN protects you wherever you are in the world. NordVPN threat protection also protects you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. NordVPN is also the fastest VPN in the world. No buffering or lagging while you're streaming, and it will stop your ISP bandwidth throttling. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, so that is a super affordable, great way to go. To get the best discount off of your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash unlocked without the e that's n-o-r-d-v-p-n.com slash u-n-l-o-c-k-d and that'll give you four extra months on the two-year plan and best of all there's no risk with nord's 30-day money-back guarantee nordvpn.com slash unlocked without the e hey there this is justin bartha i made a funny new podcast king of the egg cream it has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like lewis black i'm torn by my feelings for two women bobby cannavale you can eat it or if someone hits you you can put it on your cut 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, but um, Stella, how about you on the, on the weapons front? <laughs> Uh, so I want to point out the Ravager was actually strengthened to this test flight. The second one, it actually wasn't all that great. Um, I, I noticed the difference because I, I picked it up because I was like, oh, this is the only weapon left. Let, let me just run BTB yeah. with this. And I was like, oh, they actually made this a two-shot weapon. Like, it's actually very good now. So I think they're going to have to find like a middle ground because it was a little too good. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that that's fine. I actually really did like the Ravager this time around just because I was like, oh, I feel like a weapon that has this fiery, like you can put down an AoE of red flame. I feel like it should be strong. So I really enjoyed that this time around. Um, the Pulse Carbine, I feel like, did a little bit less homing this time around. I actually really liked it the last test flight, um, but I think that's because it had a little bit of, of that like assist. Um, but I, okay. I have to start with one thing that I don't like is the shock rifle. I, I don't know what it is. People can two-shot me with that thing, but I cannot get the hang of it. Uh, so maybe I'm just not great with it, but um, I don't prefer it just because I feel like it's also a slower weapon. Yeah. Um, but honestly, here. for me, yeah, I, exactly. I'm stuck between, <laughs> I guess it's not new, but the skewer, I really love the skewer. Just getting shots with that is just so satisfying. Um, and the heat wave. Hitting yeah. people vertically with that, ooh, you just feel so good. And then watching them just melt away into nothingness, you're like, yeah, that's right. I did that. <laughs> um, it, yeah. I love it. Absolutely love it. It just it just feels so rewarding, um, especially since the heat wave and the skewer reward you for accuracy. So as someone who really um, enjoys being a sniper, uh, going for accurate shots, I, I absolutely love those two weapons. So those are my you, favorites <laughs> you, you know what the problem with me is that i when i play the uh, big team battle sometimes it's hard to get those weapons because those weapons disappears yeah. right away so the the one that i always pick up is always there available is the battle rifle so that's why i, I said earlier that i haven't tried it out you know mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah uh we just if you're watching on video there was actually just a, a shock rifle being used on a vehicle and that's where it's super useful they will yeah. they will mm-hmm. disable vehicles in a hurry but yeah, I, I'm with you, Stella. I had, I had a, the few times because uh, on fragmentation, it's there's only one I think on the on each side of the map, and it's at, yep. it's at the base uh, on the the side wall there on the top level. Yeah. And yeah, I the few times I had it, I I couldn't do, I couldn't get anywhere with it. <laughs> it's rough. <laughs> but uh, I, I I do have a one question for you guys. Um, do you think they're gonna have one more test before launch, or you think this is it? Stella, I'll go let you go first here. Um, it's getting pretty close to launch, but and we haven't heard anything about another flight yet. Uh-uh. I I don't know. I feel like with them launching BTB just for one weekend, maybe they might want to test it out again. Um, just because it's it is a lot to balance. Um, and I like I said with all the different test flights, I did notice that they were testing out different things. Like this test flight, um, the hammer 
the gravity hammer actually had a little bit more inconsistencies. I did notice that if you're at a slight distance, it took two hits to fully down someone. Um, but at the same time, if you're right up on someone, then, you know, of course you one shot them. But I did notice a few inconsistencies. So I don't know if they were like actively tweaking things as the weekend went on. Um, but I mean, with BTB, especially since Ryan, you specified that this is the biggest like BTB match ever. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did launch another weekend, like just to iron it out. Because I honestly, I feel like a few more special weapon spawns might be nice just because with the sheer amount of people, I often found myself not being able to grab a weapon or I had to rock with the default weapons because everyone on the other teams and all the other, other squads had already grabbed stuff. So I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll do it. I, I feel like um, there's a strong chance they could. But again, it's getting pretty close to launch. So. Uh, maybe they'll put all their resources into just fully developing the multiplayer to be ready for December. Well, I'm going to, all right, I'll make a prediction here for you, Danny. Oh, <laughs> uh -oh, uh oh, here it goes. I think uh, <laughs> it comes back relatively unannounced for November 15th, the 20th anniversary. Uh, I knew you were going to say that. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I don't, you know, who knows how 343 is feeling about what they've learned re regarding weapon balance, which, Stella, you, those were all of your valid points that they're, obviously taking a hard look at that i'm thinking more from a from a server load like i think they're going to try to break the thing one more time before yeah. uh before launch because the last thing they want is for launch day to come around on december 8th and for the you know for it to just get hammered and be a bad experience because this halo it has to get off on the right foot i mean it it arguably already has with these test flights but that launch day is so important i think they're going to try to try to hammer on everything publicly one more time. And what better time than the 20th anniversary? Because <laughs> that's still November 15th. That's three weeks from launch. So mm -hmm. they could do it then and have enough time to make an either, you know, gameplay balance adjustments and or server, you know, backend adjustments before, before launch. So that's, that's my prediction is that we're going to be playing this on on the anniversary, uh, even if it's, you know, we're not playing the campaign. It's just one one last test flight. I, I like that prediction. I'm with you, Ryan. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> Let's get some right it's along. official. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's get on to what else we have to talk about this week. And I want to talk about Japan. The Tokyo Game Show uh, has just completed this past weekend as, of course, a virtual-only event. Xbox did have a showcase. You had to be up quite early in the morning, particularly on the West Coast USA, to have watched it. I did not. Uh, I caught, I just read IGN's recap afterwards. I'm so grateful to our IGN teams for putting those together. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, I'll just go over a couple of highlights with you that I think lead to a couple of good discussion topics. So Phil Spencer took to the stage, obviously, and said that Xbox is working, quote, every single day to increase our lineup of Japanese games in order to, quote, help bring Japanese games around the world. It's an honor to support uh, TGS and our Japanese partners. He said in an onstage conversation with Shinji Mikami, of course, the father of Resident Evil, who now runs Tango Gameworks, which Microsoft owns, says we're working with Japanese publishers every single day to increase our lineup of Japanese games on Xbox. We know it's really important to fans and customers on Xbox. Danny, I want to go your way here first because you've uh, been watching Xbox, covering Xbox, playing Xbox the whole 20 years. Japan's been famously a struggle for them from day one. Uh, there have been major efforts made over the years, 
from those early 360 years with uh, those handful of excellent exclusive 360 exclusive JRPGs uh, like Eternal Sonata and it's uh, Blue, Blue Dragon Lost Odyssey. And then it seems like they kind of stayed away from any real effort to, to cater specifically to Japan in the mm-hmm. Xbox One generation. But now here we go with they, they own Tango and they're back at it. And so I'm kind of curious, what uh, what do you feel? What do you want? What should Xbox do? What, what does Danny Pena think that Xbox should do here as they now own a Japanese studio and mm-hmm. are trying to become more of a global brand than just a North American brand? I think they should get another studio and also get more uh, exclusive how they did during the Xbox 360 days. Like you mentioned, Blue Dragon, uh, Lost Odyssey. I would love to see that come back. You know, And even if you go even back to the original Xbox, th- there was one too that was an exclusive that got canceled. It was a True Fantasy, oh, true true fantasy, fantasy Live, online. live right? Online, there you go. And that one got canceled and that look, had like potential to be big for, for Xbox, but for some strange reason... It got canceled, so I don't know. But uh, I would like to see more exclusive like that from either partners or their own first-party studios um, to work on it and um, and to release it on Xbox. I mean, if you notice now, more than ever, we've been seeing a lot more uh, third-party companies now from Japan be now part of uh, Xbox Game Pass, you know, and we're probably going to see more of that in the future. So I would love to see that from, from them. From Stella, the how about you? Did, does, does it... Should does it matter that Xbox is or isn't a big deal in Japan? Like, what? How do you feel about about their presence or lack thereof in the Japanese market? Um, I guess I feel why they feel they should uh, expand, right? Because they have been pretty dominant in North America, but not really internationally. So I, I understand that this is them trying to branch out, and I feel like that's a really big deal, actually, especially with the fact that uh, Game Pass has been so big. So not only could they target consoles, but they could also help PC players and also bring in new customers that way. So I feel like it's a really good idea for them to branch out like this. Um, probably more fiscally responsible uh, and and uh, they can plan for, um, I mean, PC users and Xbox users. So I feel like it's a pretty smart idea. Um, I, I hope they continue to do this. And um, I, I would like to see more exclusives too, especially with game pass because then that means they reach double the audience so i think that'd be a very smart idea for them well you make you make such a great point about pc which i hadn't even really been thinking about but you're so right because the, the pc gaming market is growing a lot in japan to the point where uh, a story that i actually didn't end up putting on this week's <laughs> list but you've reminded me of it is capcom formally announced that they're gonna they're gonna basically switch to having PC be the lead development platform on everything, on everything they do going forward because the Japanese uh, market is, you know, or just PC gaming in, is growing around the world, including in Japan. So yeah, r- great point there. Mm-hmm. For me, uh, I, when I think of great Japanese games on Xbox, there, there, is, there is one to rule them all, and it was Ninja Gaiden. Yes. <laughs> I knew you would. I knew you would. Agree with yes. <laughs> Ninja Gaiden was, I mean, you look back on that and it kind of made no sense at the time. Like you, Tecmo and, and Team Ninja and Tomonobu Itagaki really took a massive leap of faith. Now, for all I know, maybe Microsoft paid for the privilege. I don't know, but I don't think anything about that's ever come out over the years. It's not to say it didn't happen, but, but you look like, 
like Ninja Gaiden probably would have killed on PlayStation 2 at that time because PS2 was such a far and away just the number one console. It wasn't even close. And obviously it would have, you know, it's Japanese home market would have welcomed Ninja Gaiden with open arms. But no, they made it for the original Xbox. And it's one of the, in my opinion, greatest games of all time. Certainly one of the top five best action games ever made. No question. And so, yeah, that's uh, that's the cut to your point, Danny. That's what I want to see Xbox get back to and Phil get back to. Mm -hmm. And it's it's great that they have Tango now, even though, of course, Ghostwire Tokyo, when it comes out next, I think spring is the the window that they've said for now. It's going to be a timed exclusive on PlayStation 5 from a a pre-acquisition agreement. But um, moving forward, everything Tango does is going to be exclusive to Xbox. In fact, uh, during TGS, uh, Mikami-san did announce that the director, John Johannes, of Evil Within 2 has started working on a new project. So they have two teams going, Ghostwire Tokyo and this other new one. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, in, in my ongoing effort to never let go of Ninja Gaiden, I don't understand, <laughs> like, Sega, who, who Microsoft has a great relationship with, mm-hmm. Sega's sitting on an IP that you all may remember called Shinobi. Yes. Why not bring in Itagaki, or at least look to Ninja Gaiden as inspiration? Do, pull a Ninja Gaiden on Shinobi. Like, bring that back as a modern, awesome ninja action game. I don't understand why Sega... They've got the talent. They can. They can totally do it. It's just, you, you know what, Ryan? You mentioned you mentioned second. I was I was going to mention that too. Because um, look, if you go back, there were some games that came out almost twenty years ago from Sega, exclusive only for Xbox, and it was just at Radio, just at Radio Future. Yeah. That was a big game too, and it was big for the Dreamcast, and then Part Two came out for for Xbox. Why not have an exclusive deal with with Sega and release that also for for the console, S- similar to what we see with uh, Bayonetta and the Nintendo Switch, right? right? Something like that. They could do that with Sega, you know. And the partnership with with Sega and Microsoft goes way back in the early days of Xbox. So that's something that we could see too in the future. You're so right. I mean, Shenmue Two was in that group as well, mm-hmm. console exclusive for the original Xbox and uh, Panzer Dragoon Orda. Oh my that God. Was- oh- that's a classic. Yeah. Uh, classic. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, you're right. That history is there. We'll see moving forward what what Phil has in mind. I mean, I know for a hot minute there, there was a rumor that, oh, Microsoft's going to buy Sega. And well, clearly that never came nah, to fruition. Nah. But um, yeah, why not have a partnership? I, bring, Shinobi, that's, that's the one I'm rooting for. <laughs> bring that back. Since we can't have Ninja Gaiden anymore, seemingly, since Team Ninja's busy with... Uh, well, they got, um, I mean, Neo is big for them. And um, what's the other one? They've got another big game that they're doing too. But anyway, so good to see that that Xbox is remaining committed to Japan, even though, you know, historically there's plenty of reason for them to not. Uh, the other probably, probably the last big topic that I want to cover this week is Konami. Speaking of Japanese game developers slash publishers, Konami is reportedly working on new games in the Metal Gear, Castlevania, and Silent Hill series with both internal and external studios attached. Anonymous publishing sources told Video Games Chronicle that Konami is refocusing on developing games within its best-loved series. 
or those same sources. The first of those games will be a reimagining of Castlevania being developed primarily by internal Konami studios. The report adds that Konami is planning remasters of the original Metal Gear Solid games for the new consoles, as well as a potential full remake of Metal Gear Solid 3. Um, So that's very interesting to note. And apparently an early scrapped version of that remake used the Fox engine, which was the one that powered MGS5. uh, But who knows where it stands now? Uh, Stella, are any of these three franchises near and dear to your heart? And and, uh, either way, who would you like to see bring them back? Um, Not near and dear to my heart. Um, I honestly, because... This came out at a time where I wasn't um, really gaming. I wasn't allowed to have access to consoles and stuff. Um, I really missed out on all this stuff. So I would absolutely love to see. um, I think you said that it was reimaginings of oh remasters for the original Metal Gear Solid games. I would love that because I missed out on that. And I really want to experience that. I mean, it's kind of like how I'm running through Halo now, right? Like the all all of the games yeah. i would absolutely love to relive those stories even though i know that they get like a little bit ridiculous like there's the, the whole history of um metal gear is very convoluted i've tried following the storylines and i'm just like i don't understand so i want to experience that um so while they aren't like near and dear to my heart i'm definitely like interested by these rumors um i would absolutely be uh diving in into the metal gear solid series Castlevania, I'm I'm definitely more of like a an FPS person. I'm not very good at side scrollers and stuff like that. I tried to play Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. I was not very good at it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but I I would definitely be interested in the Silent Hill series just because I'm I'm very happy for the fans because I know they've been wanting something for so so long. So even hearing like a little bit of news makes me happy for them. Um, and while I don't like horror games, it is October. So, I mean, you know, all everything's up in the air, right? So, <laughs> Danny, where do you land with these three series and, and you know, of, of potential external partners who should Konami reach out to to do one or more of these? Man, that's a great question. Uh, well, for me, I love I love Castlevania series. Been playing that some way back to the original Nintendo. Uh, but uh, yeah, I would like to see something from from. Uh, from uh, Konami uh, to to bring that back, uh, Castlevania. Now I know Stella mentioned Silent Hill. Look, I love horror games. Please bring it back. <laughs> I am so so ready to play a, a new Silent Hill game, man. Look, I love Resident Evil. A game like Alan Wake is something similar to that too. Uh, Evil Within Two, by far my favorite one from from the two. It remind me so much of Silent Hill. So yeah, you definitely got to play it. Now as a developer, I don't know, maybe. Um, the developer that worked on uh, Layers of Fear, a uh, blooper, wasn't nice. they yeah. the one working on Silent Hill? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that was the perfect developer to work on on a Silent Hill game. Because, um, uh, what was the name of the game that came out earlier this year? Um, that was on Xbox Medium? first, The Medium. That reminded me so much of Silent Hill of that type of style. Yeah. So, uh, I'll get crazy for a second. Why not? It's a podcast. That's what we do. <laughs> we just found out that the Evil Within 2's director is working on some new game at Tango Gameworks. And Microsoft also just partnered up with Crystal Dynamics on, uh, on Perfect Dark. Why not Silent Hill with Konami? Why not have Tango do Silent Hill as a partnership with Konami? I mean, Stranger Things just happened a week ago with Crystal <laughs> Dynamics and Perfect Dark. And Konami could sure use the shot in the arm of 
a major first party publisher with plenty of resources and talent that could help you know prop their name their sort of tarnished name back up or at least <laughs> if not tarnished name certainly uh dusty name there's 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 a layer of dust on the konami logo that that certainly needs to be uh wiped away and wiped clean so all right you call me nuts but that's, that's what podcasting's <laughs> all about it's just about having fun fan theories about things that'll that probably will never come true <laughs> Hey, you never um, know. We've seen crazy stuff. You never know. You never know. And then I'll give you another, some maybe left field one. I don't know. Maybe you guys will like this, but for Castlevania, how about Platinum? How about Platinum games? They're known mm. for high speed, kind of faster action, but why not? Why not have them take a crack at Castlevania? Maybe they do kind of speed it up a little and have it, you know, I, mm. I'd like to see that. They're they're a famously talented and also independent developer that partners up with all kinds of people. And assuming that the relationship is fine in the wake of Scalebound's cancellation, years, I mean, that's forever ago now. Why not? Mm -hmm. Why not? Okay. So that's, all right. that's where I'm going. Metal Gear, I don't know. That's, I, that seems like the one that they're probably going to keep internal. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't even know. That, that, that would be... I don't know who the heck you'd get externally to to go at that, but uh, those are my two crazy crazy ideas for Castlevania and for Silent Hill. Um, also, like Konami, I don't understand how my under, or at least my understanding is they make a ton of money on um, pachinko games in Japan, so they're like just rolling in cash and don't have to care as much about about console video games. But like, it's crazy to me that all three of those have been dormant for years. Like, I don't understand how a publisher lets those three kind of wither on the vine for so long. Even like the B-tier stuff that they own, like how is Bomberman not a, a, a gold mine of a mobile game? Like how, how is that not a thing? Mm -hmm. Danny, I don't, I don't get yeah, like, <laughs> but it's the same thing with Sega. Sega has a lot of IPs that's just sitting there collecting dust, you know? Like Shinobi? So, yeah, Shinobi, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I think uh, some of these companies are just comfortable with the ones that, that has been successful with them. So they just continue working on that, on those projects instead of bringing back the ones that failed back in the days. You know, I think it's different now if they do release like a game, like let's say uh, Sega release Shinobi, I think it will be different yeah. compared to back in the days, you know? So, yeah. Uh, let me, let's squeeze in one more story here before we get towards the end of the show. Cause this, uh, this is definitely relevant to Stella's interests, if not Danny's as well. <laughs> EA has announced in a in a smart move to continue trying to rebuild some goodwill with gamers. Uh, EA has announced that players who purchase the standard digital edition of Battlefield 2042 will be able to upgrade from PS4 or Xbox One to PS5 or Series X slash S for free. And this is a U-turn. Uh, previously, EA has re had requires required players, if I can speak as the show goes on, to own the more expensive gold edition in, or, in order to get that entitlement, uh, the standard digital edition will now include the dual entitlement. So it's either one. So far, it's only for the digital version. Uh, looks like they're not going to mess around with trying to make that work with a physical disc and, and tying to your account, uh, which I can't mm. entirely blame them for. But I, it's Stella, it's, it's nice to see EA do the right thing here. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Um, honestly, because it, it it is still a full priced game. 
And um, a lot of people haven't been able to secure a next-gen console, especially because of the pandemic. So I feel like um, kind of gatekeeping that to being like, oh, well, you need to buy the gold version in order to do that if ever you buy uh, a next console, which eventually you're going to have to, right? Because, you know, the older consoles are going to be phased out at some point. Um, I feel like it's not entirely fair given the world's circumstances. So seeing them kind of pull that back and redo that statement, it feels pretty good to see. I mean, of course, some people will argue like, well, they should have done that from the first place. But, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's still what they had intended before all of this had happened, I think. So the fact that they are still pulling back and saying, hey, we're going to change this policy, I think that's really good. Um, especially since with Battlefield 2042 coming out and, you know, the studio changing to Ripple Effect, I know they really want to connect with the community again. I mean, that's part of the reason why they're doing Portal, right? Why they're opening up Battlefield again to the players and giving back to the community. So I feel like this is a really good step in solidifying that trust. Um, not only were they, not only are they restructuring their company with the uh, makeover, with the name makeover, um, and also with Portal, where community players can make whatever kind of Battlefield you want, which is a huge tool. Um, now they're saying, hey, we we value. Uh, that you want to buy our game. So here's us seeing that and trying to make things better. So um, to me, it's a good look. Um, hopefully they keep going in the right direction. Danny, how's EA doing for you lately in terms of uh, their their attempt to rebuild their or rehabilitate their reputation with this and of course the mm -hmm. Dead Space remake and Mass Effect Legendary Edition? Yeah, it seems like they really, really want to go back and, 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 uh, do more stuff especially like with uh creators and gamers online i think that's really cool man especially look right now battlefield got delayed it's in the middle in between of the release of call of duty and halo and they need to make some changes like this because people will decide okay they're gonna go with either call of duty or halo and i think by making this move i think now more people are going to feel more comfortable to buy a, a game like this uh, when, it, when it releases in November. So I think this is the right move. And I like that uh, EA is, is still getting community feedback. And based on the feedback, they're making these changes. So I think that's awesome for them. Yeah, great that. point. I mean, they may very well have, have looked at where, the, where they are on the release calendar and gone, oh, I mean, we should, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a smart point right there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if, think about it, because anybody could just go and buy uh, those two games or play free games with Apex and other games, you know, that's already out, uh, Call of Duty, Warzone, et cetera, right? So um, they need to make these changes, man, because it's kind of tough to buy a full uh, uh, game full price, man, nowadays, man. Got to be really picky. True, especially when there's so many high quality free to play options, including mm -hmm. Halo Infinite multiplayer. <laughs> yeah, multiplayer, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, let's do uh, we're almost out of time this week. I've got to let these guys go. So let's let me just uh, old serve on the loot box. We'll do that next week. But unlock block trivia with Danny here. It's always fun to do Xbox trivia. Uh, we'll test tell as well. I will say this question I'm about to read you. I did not get correct, but let's see if either one of you knows this one. This one's from Devin Stanley, who writes in with an excellent Xbox question asking what band was featured in the end credits of Dragon Age Origins. You got to dial it back to those 360 days. Dragon Age Origins, first one. And it's four pretty popular bands that don't necessarily gel on, on paper with a, with a high fantasy game. Huh. So we'll see if any of you knows, know this. 
Was it Kings of Leon, 30 Seconds to Mars, The Get Up Kids, or My Chemical Romance? Again, a song in the end credits of Dragon Age 1, Dragon Age Origins. Stella, let me go your way first here. When did that release? I'll look it up for you real quick. Okay, because I'm trying to think about, like, uh, let's see. What, was it a... Was it like an exclusive song or this is just a licensed song? That I'm not sure of. And it, okay. I'm not sure there, but 2009. Is, 2009. Oh so you got to dial, go to, hop in the Wayback Machine a little bit here. Oh. oh my God. Okay. This is a tough, this is a tough one. <laughs> I know. Yes, I'm like. I, I didn't get this one either. Because I, um, I don't, hmm. I feel like 30 Seconds to Mars could fit. But I don't know if that was like, I don't know if that, that, that's it. Looks hmm. like I've got a couple of stumped panelists, which again, I understand because I'm right there <laughs> with you on this one. Um, I will stick with my first decision. 30 seconds to Mars. I feel like, Mars? I feel like okay. it's wrong, though. I, I feel like it's wrong. <laughs> Danny, how about you? This is a total guess because I have no idea. I'm going to go with the Get Up Kids. Okay. All right. Well. Uh, Stella, you're not wrong. That was <gasps> was indeed. Really? Stella got it right. Seconds to Mars. Oh yes. my god! Well done oh. on that. Let me add you. Uh, get your, hey. your point on the board. Here. <laughs> All right, Stella. There it is. Uh, so, excellent job, that's... and and uh, Devin Stanley. Great question on that. Like that's the kind of thing where yeah. it's not. I don't think that's an unfair question. That's like a solid, reasonable, not too obscure trivia question. Um, yeah, you had to get to the end of a you know eighty hour role playing game to get to those end credits. <laughs> a lot of people did. That was Dragon Age was a huge game from Bioware at the time. Devin, thank you so much. If anybody else out there wants to send in a trivia question, the way to do it is to email us at unlocked at ign dot com. Include the question. Include four multiple choice answers, and please note the correct answer in your email. Before we go, let me give. My panelists, a chance to plug what they're up to. Danny, I'll start with you. Gamer Tag Radio, uh, what have you got going on in there? I know you, let's mention your a literal A-list guest that you had recently. The floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. check us out. Uh, I'm planning to have a couple more interviews I'm working on because to celebrate the 20th anniversary of, of Xbox. Uh, actually, a couple of weeks ago, I released an interview with Robbie Bach, and we talked a lot of a lot of cool stories from back then uh, when he uh, and the team worked on the original Xbox. So it was really cool. So yeah, you find us on any podcast app. Just search for Gamertag Radio and uh, yeah, subscribe and let me know what you think. Or follow me, Godfrey, on Twitter. How many episodes are you up to? Because you must, is it over 1100 at this point? Yeah, it's uh, 1168. It's wow. the la la last one. Yeah. When was your we first show? February 20, February 25th, 2005. Wow, that's predating the 360. Predating yeah. the 360. Just, yep. Yeah, the, the OG right here, Danny Pena. Great job, uh, you and Paris. And oh man, good stuff over on Gamertag Radio. Stella, Thanks how about man. you? We know you're uh, working on the ongoing Halo <laughs> Infinite multiplayer review in progress. Where can we find you? What are you up to on IGN these days? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, uh, Parallax Stella. I stream on Twitch every night, basically. Um, and you can find me there playing the Battlefield 2042 beta that comes out this week. So you can get my very, very first impressions because I will probably be screaming about um, a lot of things on my stream about it. So, yeah. <laughs>
Good stuff. And are you doing an update to the Halo Infinite multiplayer review in progress after the big team battle uh, weekend? I'm not sure. I'll have to check, but I do know that I actually just got put on the Battlefield 2042 review. So oh, I'll be doing... Yeah. <laughs> is he fall for you? You got yes. the two of the A-list shooters that you've got to gotta worry about so that well that'll be a fun it'll be a fun busy though i would imagine yes i'm i'm very honored uh I, dan actually said that i'm the best uh first person shooter player he has right now and that made me very oh. warm that made me feel very warm <laughs> so no, there's there's no doubt about that that is absolutely the case it's been Aww. it's been the case for a while what are you talking about so <laughs> Well, uh, thanks to both of you for joining me here for Unlocked 514. It was another fun episode. Lots to talk about. It's that time of year. It's everything's happening. We've always got a lot to talk about. I love it. Danny Payne, thank you so much. Stella Chung, thank you. This was Unlocked 514 for Super Producer Red. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, and we'll see you again next week. Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.